Good morning, witches. This is the Witch Daily Show, coming to you from New Orleans, with host Tanya Brown. Our episodes span about 20 minutes long to give you just a little pop of magic. So, tune in, take a deep breath, and enjoy. Good morning, witches. This is the Witch Daily Show with host Tanya Brown. And today is October 23rd, 2023. It is Monday. And our episode today is brought to you by Little Witches Books. So let's get your day going with a little magic. Our quote of the day is, there are some things I know for certain. Always throw spilled salt over your left shoulder. Keep rosemary by your garden gate. Plant lavender for luck and fall in love whenever you can. My practical magic. So what are we drinking today? We are drinking Dark Society from Sip a Spell. It's a Mayan hot chocolate and it has cacao nib powder, cayenne pepper, ginger, and cinnamon. If you're into spice, if you're into heat, if you're into warmth, this is it. This is it. Um, I magically think it's ideal for either like pre-seance or pre-ritual, as well as just being cozy or before bed if you're wanting to get like those dream messages. Um, it has a low level of caffeine because cacao has caffeine, just not as much as like coffee or tea. And uh, we're talking about cayenne this week. So I wanted to talk a little bit about cayenne and its medicinal properties, especially in terms of Eastern medicine. So according to Mount Sinai, uh, cayenne has also been used in traditional Indian, Chinese, Japanese, and Korean medicines as an oral remedy for stomach problems, poor appetite, and circulatory problems. It has also been applied to the skin for arthritis and muscle pain. I'm going to tell you to like, don't do that. Okay. Um, be careful with like those warming spices on your skin, uh, cinnamon, cayenne, pepper, things like that. I used to like to put a little uh, cinnamon oil in my hair and if it would touch my skin, it would burn. So you just want to, you know, be careful. Okay. Now moving into some headlines, this comes to us from blabbermouth.net. This is August 23rd, 2023 uh, article. Ghost devotional pop-up unveiled at Grammy Museum. Ooh. So at Ghost's September 11th, 12th headline stand in the Kia form looms ever closer. The Grammy Museum in Los Angeles has unveiled the ghost devotional pop-up as the faithful await of the return of Papa Emeritus IV and co to the City of Angels, they are invited to enter the handcrafted custom-built confessional booth and bear their souls about why they think ghosts are the best rock band in the world, make amends, and leave atoned with a souvenir photo of the experience. The ghost devotional pop-up was designed and fabricated by Justin Ware of Creative Ware and built by carpenter Greg Gilday. The custom-created structure will be accompanied by a museum installation displaying Papa Emeritus III's outfit worn at the 2015 Grammys. The year Ghost took the Best Metal Performance 
award for um, the band's third album. The Ghost of Ocean will pop up will be open to the Grammy Museum visitors through um, the month of September. So we just missed it. But I thought this was really neat and the pictures are really cool. So uh, if you're into music, metal music, or just like really cool and kind of edgy art installations definitely look up the photos of it i'm sure there's going to be like tiktoks of it and it can be a really fun way to maybe get inspired for spooky season speaking of the skeleton house so we have a house in new orleans called the skeleton house and it does this insane skeleton installation every year and it changes every year so i think i'm going to go and take like really intricate videos and put it on the patreon because it is so neat all right, witches, I'm going to throw this over to our moon correspondent, and after this break, we will talk more. Hello to all of my astro friends. This is Serendipity, the Chicago astrologer, coming at you with your daily moon mantra for Monday, October 23rd. The waxing gibbous moon has its own ideas in Aquarius today. Here, the moon conjuncts Saturn and trines the sun and Mercury. The conjunction to Saturn gives the moon a serious outlook. We're ready to take this day on and do the work. The sun is at the anoretic degree of Libra, and we really want to make sure that everyone is getting along. Mercury in Scorpio is giving us the insight we need to get behind the scenes so that we can pull the disparate parts together. This day can be really good for finding out what's not working and why. If you have a relationship that's falling apart, or a project you can't seem to make gel, or even a team that isn't functioning well together, these energies will give you the ability to pull back the veneer and see what's really going on. Make sure to use these powers for good. Your daily moon mantra is, growth is never by mere chance. It is a result of things pulling together. This has been your Daily Moon Mantra with Serendipity, the Chicago Astrologer, signing off and reminding you that you are in charge of your own destiny. Looking for a children's book about witchcraft? Check out The Little Witch's Guide to the ABCs by Anna Fior. The Little Witch's Guide to the ABCs is a beautifully illustrated alphabet book that celebrates many of the different paths of magic from A to Z. The story follows two little witches as they search through the alphabet for their missing cat, Stardust, meeting many fun and unique characters along the way. Available on Etsy, Amazon, and at littlewitchesbooks.com. That's little-witches-books.com. All right, we are back. So we are continuing with our spooky uh, urban legend kind of deconstriction month. And this is one I have been wanting to talk about. And it is the story and the kind of creepy history of Pharaoh curses. Now, you're like, Tanya, why have you been thinking about this? That's a really strange thing to think about. This isn't like the Roman Empire. (laughs) Like, why are you thinking about this? So for the Patreon, I've been doing rewatches of Charmed, right? So I'll we'll watch the show together, um, and then I'll pause and talk about like some of what they're talking about, the actual deity, like misconceptions, and just general feelings as a Charmed fan. And we came across the episode of season one where Phoebe's boyfriend and his friends like steal a vase or an urn 
um, some sort of artifact from an Egyptian tomb. And it's all about like these Pharaoh curses. And I paused the video and I was just like, I remember a time in the 90s where like every television show had some sort of episode about like a Pharaoh curse. So I was like, did something happen like in the news? Because something you'll notice if you go back and watch maybe uh, older television shows just from like different decades, like you can kind of notice if there was like a big pop culture incident. You know, so like there was um, a time where people talked about Nancy Kerrigan a lot and it's like, oh, because she was injured, you know, Um, and you can kind of pinpoint those things, right? You can kind of pinpoint when ice skating was like really in because every episode would have an ice skating episode or like something along those lines. So I noticed, I was like, oh, there was always an episode about Pharaoh curses. So like, did something in pop culture happen that created this? And I I did some research and I just couldn't find anything like past the 20s or like the 40s that would have felt relevant to why all these shows in the 90s felt like they had to make a Pharaoh episode. So I'm wondering if this explains it, because I don't think an urban legend would show up in like a history research thing, which is what I was doing. So this might actually explain it. So I'm kind of excited. So this comes to us from the historicalnovel.com, History in the Remaking, and it's all about the curse of pharaohs. So mummies have fascinated the popular imagination since the days of their earliest discoveries. Fictionalized accounts of mummies coming back to life have been a staple of the horror genre since 1827, with the publication of The Mummy, a tale of the 22nd century, in which the mummy um, of Chops, an actual Egyptian pharaoh, was reanimated. Unlike the shambling undead horrors that stalk and terrorize the usual protagonists in modern media, Chops is shown as an astute political observer who passes his wisdom on to those who befriend him. So mummification is not a process limited to ancient Egypt, but is certainly from there the most popular culture uh, people draw from when portraying mummies. So during the early 19th century, the spoils of Egyptian tombs were a source of wonder for the West. Yes, so you'll actually see that in a lot of costumes from like the 20s to like the 30s. If you go back and look at that decade, especially in the U.S., you can see that that there's a lot of inspiration uh, drawn from uh, Egypt. So So Egypt was really in at the time. So this is what they're talking about. During the early 19th century, the spoils of Egyptian tombs were a source of wonder for the West. Artifacts were put on display, mummies were unwrapped before crowds, and interest surged in all things related to Egyptian culture. This extended to fiction, where mummies were increasingly featured as romantic partners. Ugh. <laughs> They're mummies, but whatever, for the protagonists until the turn of the century, which saw them cast as the villains. The most common element of horror in mummies is the curse. Ancient Egyptian tomb is discovered complete with curses, promising to wreak havoc on anyone who dares to disturb the tomb. Uh, Protagonist does it anyways, and curse is unleashed. So, and often the mummy is reanimated, which I think is just easy for, like, visual media. Um, So, let's see. And yeah, in the 20s, there was like this group of uh, 
I think researchers or explorers who like disturb a tomb and they all did die in a weird way. But I don't know why that is bringing us to like, what was the deal with the 90s? Why were they so into it? So, yeah. So basically, um, the most common curse is one of excavations. So there was a researcher named Carter who uh, was a part of a team who uh, had uh, excavated the uh, the tomb of Tutankhamun. And shortly after the tomb was opened and made headlines everywhere, uh, Carter's financier died in a kind of mysterious way. And then slowly over time, people in the uh, on his team, like George Herbert, and Carter himself all slowly died, whether from a mosquito bite or like food poisoning, blood poisoning, things like that. And over the course of like quite a few years. So due to the prominence of some of these people, uh, it was, and like the suddenness of the death and these people's presence at the tomb, it really attributed to this idea that there was a curse. So such rumors were fueled in part when Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, uh, who we've talked about before, uh, fabricated elements of the Marie Celeste, uh, publicly suggested that his death was um, because of the tomb opening that was Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Now, again, so I understand why this brought interest into the 1920s to like the 1930s. That makes sense. But why in the 90s? This just absolutely astounds me. Uh, yeah. Several of those involved in the excavation or the resulting artifacts died before the decade was out. Hugh Evelyn White, one of the first into the tomb, would end up dying by suicide only a few years later. In England, the man responsible for x-raying the recovered mum uh, mummy died shortly afterwards uh, due to surgery complications. And then Carter's secretary was found uh, smothered in his bed. And I think this sounds really damning when I say them all in like, two sentences but this was over like a 10-year span or like a good solid few years and then headlines would print man haunted by pharaoh curse dead like that's how they were reporting on these deaths so even those who attribute deaths to the curse of tutankhamun's tomb can't quantify how many might have died from it the numbers range from 4 to 30. Carter never believed in the curse and dismissed any talk of uh, like of it. He was just like, I am a scientist. Curse sounds ridiculous. So yeah, um, if you're wondering kind of where that kind of rumors and legends come from of like pharaoh curses, it's from this one team who unearthed uh, Tutankhamun's tomb. But yeah, it's interesting. I want to know why this had a resurgence in the 90s and if anyone who was like a full-grown adult who was like really uh really tuned in to pop culture and the news if any of you know then please let me know because i just wasn't old enough to like understand i really want to know um, but yeah, it's interesting. So if you've ever wondered where does the uh, Egyptian curse lore come from, it comes from this man Carter and his team's excavation of the tomb of Tutankhamun. 
Yeah, fascinating. So why do we think people continue on this curse? One, I think it's because Egypt is viewed as something that is so far away from us in terms of the U.S. It's viewed as very far away. So when things are far away, we view them as extra mysterious. And I think there is something really glamorous about uh, ancient Egypt, right? When we watch movies like The Mummy, they're often just so beautifully, like the people are so beautifully um, adorned and there's gold and there's gorgeous intricacy with makeup and it's just viewed as a really beautiful culture and I think the idea that something so beautiful could be deadly is just something humans really attract to and I think it's something we kind of stick in our minds actually when did Elizabeth Taylor play um Cleopatra Maybe that'll tell me. Was it like in the 80s? Because that would explain the 90s thing. No, that was the 60s. That was the 60s. I don't know. I don't know. Someone let me know. I'm so curious. All right, witches. We are wrapping up this episode of the Witch Daily Show. I will leave a link to this. If you want to read more about this two in common curse thing, I will leave a link for you in the link tree, witchpod.com. And I do need to clean up this link tree just a bit. So you might have to wade through quite a few links. All right, witches. So I do want to give a shout out to listener Christina Benfield. Christina, you hospitable Arcadian werewolf. Uh, Kelly Carrado, you glowing magical sunsets. And Tammy Ann, you sweet, perfect werewolf. Thank you three so much for being Patreon supporters. I really appreciate it. And we're switching card decks. We are now on the Sacred Symbols Oracle by Marcella Kroll. Gorgeous, gorgeous. And I was just sent this for funsies. So I was like, oh, cool. We'll, we'll, we'll do them for our card pulls. And really fun cards, especially if you're really into kind of that old school uh, ESP research thing. Like I could see myself being into that. If you're into that like vibe, this is a cool deck. So our card pull today is 23 Jealousy. Ooh. Envy, jealousy, and bad vibes. This card comes as a warning that all is not as it seems. Or maybe it is. There may be some jealousy being presented or projected at you at this time. Fear not. This warning is here to provide you with enough distance to take the necessary action to protect your heart, mind, and energy. Perhaps the good old compare and despair monster has got you wishing or longing for what another has or is doing. Sometimes the jealousy is within you. This is a powerful time to check in and see what you, where you may be feeling inadequate. So this is interesting. I'm just going to do a quick little uh, thing. So I listened to a YouTube channel called The Financial Diet, and it's just about like being financially responsible and um, doing our best and like techniques for budgeting, things like that. And I really enjoy the creator, Chelsea Fagan. So she did a TikTok that explained things really perfectly. So I'm someone who just like, I really don't experience like jealousy or envy all that much. Um, I just don't. And I really can't explain why. Um, but when you don't really experience it, it's so easy when you see it on other people. And she explained why very why she doesn't experience it. And I was like, oh my gosh, finally someone is like verbalizing something I don't really explain. Because when you tell people you don't really get jealous, I don't think they believe you. And you know, and I've I've seen that when like someone's I was like, Yeah, I just don't get 
jealous. It's I just really don't. And Chelsea explained it beautifully. And she said that she used to get jealous all the time. And it was actually like one of her defining personality traits and she which she hated um but she found the more she diversified her identity the less she found herself jealous so chelsea for example she writes romance books she is a content creator for for finance stuff she loves hosting and dinner parties and um and she's a youtuber right like those are the things she does and she says because i do all four of those things and all four of those things contribute to my identity i don't feel the pressure to be incredible at any of them because it's it's not what i need to feel like who i am so she said for example um I probably didn't write the most perfect romance book, but that's okay because I'm not just a romance writer. And are there other financial creators who, um, you know, make it better or who get more viewers? Sure, but I'm not just a financial creator. I don't need to be the best at that to feel secure in my identity. And then she's like, are there other YouTubers with bigger numbers? Of course, but I'm not just a YouTuber. And that's kind of how I feel. Like I love to have my hands on a whole bunch of things. I love to cook. I love to podcast. I love my witch stuff. I love my publishing stuff. Um, I love to host. So because my identity is a little bit diversified, when someone comes onto the scene who's like a better writer, I'm like, yeah, they're a better writer than me. And isn't it great? Like it's fine. Like writing isn't my uh, like whole identity like i'm okay with the fact that i'm probably mediocre but it makes me happy so who cares and i feel like if when you i when you diversify your identity and you are you do a few things pretty okay you just don't feel threatened when someone comes along who's better because your whole identity isn't wrapped up in that one thing. You know, anyways, I thought that was a really cool way to put it. And so I just wanted to share in case anyone out there kind of struggles with that. And maybe, I don't know, maybe you can pick up like one or two extra hobbies that are just fun, like making sourdough or um, learning how to dress a table really pretty for a cheese board. I don't know. But um, like I like diversifying who you are is going to not make you feel so pressured to be the most incredible of the one thing that you've kind of pigeon your like pigeonholed yourself into, you know? Anyways, which is I'm not an expert at that. <laughs> um, but I do wanna say, um, have a great day and don't forget any books, decks, headlines, sources, anything we created today can be found in the podcast episode description or witchpod.com and we will talk again tomorrow. Which is we hope you have a wonderful day, full of joy and gentleness and confidence. Links for this week's episodes, our website, Patreon, along with a free daily card pull can be found at witchpod.com. One stop for everything we talk about. Now, take one more deep breath and have a great day.